It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Hammett. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. $5 a month, you get bonus uh, bonus episodes, you get ad-free episodes, and this week you're mm. going to get something extra special. What is that, Jess? So, I uh, interviewed uh, writer-director Mike Flanagan. Um, he, I'm a massive fan of his. He wrote, most famously, Haunting, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, which if you have any relation to Catholicism and haven't watched Midnight Mass, get V to Netflix. Um, He's also an atheist. He's in recovery. Um, (laughs) And I tweeted him, I was rewatching Dr. Sleep, which is uh, the sequel to The Shining for the 10th time. And there's a scene when Danny Torrance is uh, in recovery and doing this speech about his his eight-year chip. And just on a whim, I tweeted at Mike Flanagan like, hey, could I talk? I have a podcast called Friendly Atheist. Would you ever want to talk to me about everything (laughs) about this, about being an atheist in recovery? I have family members and friends in recovery who are atheists or non-religious. And I know there's a huge issue for non-believers in AA because the first, uh, I was going to say amendment, (laughs) the first step is, you know, like, let go and let God. And yeah, give yourself up to like a higher power. Yeah, exactly. Only, yeah, they have control. I don't, I don't remember the first step uh, verbatim. Um, and to my shock, he messaged me back an hour or so later. Uh, I gave me his email address. I've been in touch with him and his assistant. We were supposed to talk last week. He got COVID, and so we bumped it to this week. I did not believe it was going to happen until the moment I saw his face come up on my screen and you can hear it on the recording because i say hi mike like a fucking (laughs) lunatic i will just say it's a two-hour interview that they did jess is so excited the entire way through he i mean he gave me an hour at the hour point i gave him an out (laughs) you know like if anybody's ever interviewed somebody you're very conscious when you're over time but this person is still chatting with you um so it was amazing he's funny and chill and (laughs) humble and proud of his accomplishments in a way that i respect and i I don't know, he's friends with, like, fucking Stephen King and Ian McGregor. What do you want from me? So here's what we're going to do. 
Uh, if you're a Patreon supporter at the $5 level, we're going to release that episode for you when this, when you're hearing this one, we're going to release that as well Mm -hmm. for everyone else. We will put it out next week Mm -hmm. and hopefully for the Patreon supporters, uh, you'll also get to see video of Jess's, uh, two hour smile fest. (laughs) Uh, we'll do our best with that but uh yeah if you yeah, are not a patreon video if so you're like... not a patreon supporter now's a good time to do it yeah i'll just toss in which is an anti-climax at this point here i will be at the kentucky free thought convention this weekend you could still get tickets to that in louisville use the promo code friendly yeah um, oh how was uh baja con baja con was awesome good people yeah. it was very interesting to see all these people talk i was spending like six hours in the car with seth what'd you guys talk about it was fun i got to talk to seth andrews in the car for a while it yeah. was fun just shared all these secrets you, you know. really you really should just like bring a <laughs> microphone with you Monet- <laughs> monetize no private conversations I, for you anymore <laughs> i feel like when someone like him who does podcasts and audiobook narration all the time uh-huh. is like in a car the last thing he wants to do is have a microphone in his face <laughs> so but it was delightful i want every thought of mine recorded at all times. It's all precious. <laughs> so there's so much stuff to talk about this week. I thought I would start with what seemed to be the biggest story in the Christian, the evangelical world this week, which is about a guy named Matt Chandler. Uh, do you know who Matt Chandler is? Uh, no, I saw his name in a headline. Like, I've it been... was trending on Twitter, yeah. which is I've weird. I've not been on social media. Like, I recently started working at where I volunteer, and all of a sudden, I like my time has vanished from me. <laughs> and so, truly, I did not realize today was Thursday. I have no idea what's going on in all the right. world. I did see the name Chandler right. in our feed because you're in. You're going to want to sit down for this. Okay, okay. so. Uh, he's the pastor of a place called Village Church in Texas. Huge mega church, I believe, affiliated with like Southern Baptists, Evangelicals. Uh, if I screw that up, whoops. Whatever. <laughs> but big church in Texas. And he's not just that. He's also the president, I believe, of Acts 29, which is a major evangelical church planting network. Acts A-X? A-C-T-S. Like, oh. it's in the Bible. Like, go plant churches, whatever. Um, Okay, so he's like a big shot in the evangelical world. We've talked about him on this podcast a while ago because he's also really bad at handling allegations of sexual abuse among staffers and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, But the reason he was in the news this week, and I'll talk about those specifics in a little bit, is because on Sunday during the sermon, he was basically introduced, like another pastor got on stage to be like, we got to talk about this church. It's really hard. It's not going to be an easy Sunday. And you're like, the hell did you people do? And he's like, all right, Matt's going to come out here and tell you what happened. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. He gave like a six-minute speech before he walked off stage. Okay, I'm going to try to boil it down to two minutes. I'm going to play it for you here. And then we'll talk about what exactly went down. I want you to think about while you're listening to this, Uh what did he do? Okay, that's the question (sighs) as you're listening to this. Let's see what you think about this clip. Several months ago, um, a woman approached me um, outside here in the foyer. Um, She had some concerns for how I was DMing on Instagram with a friend of hers. Oh. Um, I... I didn't think I had done anything wrong in that. My wife knew that. Her husband knew that. Um, and, and yet there were a couple of things that she said that were disorienting to me. 
I'm skipping um, around in so the sermon. I immediately okay. um, came into the room. I found Chairman of the Elder Board, Jason Swords, found Josh Patterson, other lead pastor, they and said, an this board? is what yes. this person just told okay. me. Uh, and Did then I went know? home. Yes. Lauren okay. went with me that night. I told Lauren, this is what was said to me um, tonight. Um, from there, uh, the elders began to look into, because that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, because we cannot be a church where this is anyone dramatic. Uh, is above mm-hmm. the scriptures <laughs> and above the high heavenly call uh, into Christ Jesus. And so they looked into um, the the conversation between me and um, this other woman, uh, and they had some concerns. Uh Um, And those concerns were not that our messaging was romantic or sexual. It it was that our conversations were unguarded and unwise. Unguarded, unwise. I don't ever want there to be secrets between us. Okay. The concerns were really about frequency and familiarity. Is he describing friendship? We believe in brother-sister relationships here. Um, And yet there was a frequency that moved past that. And there was a familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking. It's unbefitting uh, of someone in my position as a lead pastor and as an elder. I'm held to a higher standard and fell short of that higher standard. A little more here. Um, okay. So, so the elders have decided, and I think they're right, that my inability to see what I was in uh, probably has some, is revealing some unhealth in me. And I don't know if that's tied to the pace I run or uh, the difficulty of the last six, seven years, but I agree with them. Um, and so in their grace to me and my family, um, they've decided, and again, I think they're right, um, to put me on a leave of absence, um, uh, starting uh, immediately from preaching and teaching at um, the village church. If I'm on, I'm just really embarrassed. Okay, so to recap what he just said there, some woman came up to him and said, you've been DMing with my friend on Instagram, and it's inappropriate and wrong. Um, and basically, he says, I went to my church elders, the, the group of men who oversee me or whatever, uh, his babysitters at church. Yeah. And he's like, you guys, this happened. And they said, give us your Instagram account. And basically, they look at this. Apparently, he says, not romantic, not sexual, but he Can said, I just take a guess unguarded about what and it unwise. is? Yeah, what do you think this is? So I, okay. Oh, boy. Mind I you, I don't know the answer here. Oh! We don't know what this is about. Oh, I thought you were going to have those DMs for me to peep at. I wish I did. Oh, buddy. We don't know who the woman I is in question. I thought you were a good journalist. I'm Sorry. the one who's just supposed to sit around. If I could hack into someone else's Instagram this DMs, I I'm promise saying. you it would not be a random Christian pastor. <laughs> um, but he says, unguarded unwise what does that mean if it's not romantic or sexual but it's super close like what he was too casual it sounds like they are really good (laughs) like genuinely if there is something it sounds far be it for me to give anybody the benefit of the doubt in this situation but genuinely from what he said and my understanding of the context it sounds like he has a friend <laughs> and they talk a lot because like they're the friends. Billy Graham or Mike Pence rule like how dare you speak with another woman truly in a isolated situation without your wife present or something truly like I have male friends whom I text with regularly <laughs> I guess not that many I don't I don't want to shock I, you haven't I don't have that many male friends <laughs> look at you being able to dissect your friends by gender uh, anyway so <laughs> I text I, you a lot you do 
So this guy, I don't know what he did. We don't know what he did. The way this came across, it makes it sound like he crossed some line. And when the church is like, we're not going to tell you what he did, but also he's on a leave of absence indefinitely. And he's now stepped down from Acts 29, the Mm. separate church planting group. He stepped down from this church. It's like, buddy, that's a harsh punishment for you to do it so without telling us what exactly you did. I should say... In the audience, you didn't hear this in the clip, Mm. in the congregation, someone yelled out, we love you at some point in there, which is a bold move when you don't know what the dude did. It's like Republicans rushing to defend Trump. Right, right, right. Not realizing the extent of Yeah, yeah, you got to take a beat, guys. (laughs) Um, And so it's like, if you're going to go this overboard in terms of punishing the guy, and maybe it's appropriate, Mm -hmm. you got to be more specific about what he did. Otherwise, with this guy... You should assume the worst. Let me go back and give you a little bit why about this guy's I, Okay, history. can you help me understand why my instinct is to give this guy the benefit of the doubt? Because based on that apology alone, if you knew nothing else about him, it's like, wow, it seems like they really punished him for something innocuous. Yeah. And like, calm down, everybody. It's Christian purity culture mentality. It's Don't cancel t- culture. Run amok. <laughs> How dare you talk to a woman who's not your wife yeah. Like when it's not sexual or anything. Like, calm down. What are you freaking out about? So is your instinct that it's more insidious than that? I feel like it has to be, but mm. I, that's not based on any evidence. Like here. he was like questioning his faith or like questioning the teachings of the elders. Like, right? could it be That'd something be like that? Damning. I wonder. Interesting theory. I don't know. Um, let me give you some background on this guy. If you're not familiar and this is part of why it was trending. Cause this isn't a nobody in the evangelical world in 2012. An 11-year-old girl was allegedly abused at a summer camp run by his church. Her parents didn't find out about it until years later, Mm. like when she tells them this thing happened. So their first instinct is to tell the church's leaders about it because the guy who allegedly um, abused her still worked there at the time. And so what does Matt Chandler do at the time? He lies to his congregation about the details. He says... There's an allegation of abuse by a church member, but the unnamed culprit, he didn't say who it was Mm. or that this guy was employed by them. That guy didn't have access to children at our church, which was only technically true because... Why are we talking about children? Because he no longer... They fired him and they're like, you guys, he doesn't have access to children. Yeah, that's because you got rid of him like a minute ago. It's like, yeah, Trump never had security clearance. (laughs) Well, no, not anymore. Right. So then he also separately, Chandler, Matt Chandler, he emails the congregation at the time to say that one of our pastors, coincidentally, it's the guy accused of abusing a child, one of our pastors uh, is leaving the church due to a, quote, alcohol abuse problem. Okay. Without connecting the dots between, you know how I told you someone was accused of abuse? uh Yeah, it's that. He didn't say that. So they're trying to sweep this thing under the rug. Wait, here's another thing. In 2015, a woman uh, set, who belonged to a church, a woman, husband, wife, they belonged to the church. This woman annulled her marriage after finding out her husband was a literal pedophile, like <gasps> had illegal stuff, or at least had fantasies about kids. Sure. I don't think he acted on it, but he thought about it, and she's like, holy shit, I can't deal with this. I'm leaving you. Uh-huh. And what did the church elders do? They punished her her because she didn't run it by church elders so they could attempt a reconciliation 
They punished her for wanting to leave a marriage for that reason. Mm. They did not punish him, by the way, because he repented. Mm, cool church. Uh, yeah. Uh, so and he, where did Chandler fall in the hierarchy of that instance? He's the instant? leader of this church. Okay. That's what he is. Okay. Like, again, how many bad behaviors can one church do under this guy's leadership? Many. <laughs> and then here's the biggest thing that happened this year before this incident. I, like I said, he's the president of Acts 29, big church planting organization. Basically, they say, you want to start up a church in some heathen city like, you know, Chicago? I don't know. <laughs> you want to start up a church <laughs> there? We're going to train you to do it. Sure. We're going to make sure you follow our conservative Christian values. They are franchising out their churches. Yes. And by the way, if you pass the test and mm. you're a good man and you have a good group of men around you, we'll also give you a giant wheelbarrow full of cash to <gasps> make it happen. Cool. To start this church, which again, nothing illegal about any of that, but that's what they do. But you know who founded Acts 29? Mark Driscoll, the pastor who's mm. been accused of spiritual abuse and bullying. And basically, he's a monster to everyone who works with him. And his replacement, after they kicked him out for being a bully, was a guy named Steve Timmis, who was then kicked out of the same ministry. Why? Spiritual abuse. He Matt Chandler is number three now. And so this year... Uh, Christianity Today asked him uh, about the status of the ministry, this big church planting organization. And this was a good question by Christianity Today. They were like, you say you've like revamped the training process. Well, if you revamped it, would guys like Mark Driscoll or Steve before you, would they have passed the test? Would you have given them money for the church planting or would you have weeded them out because good they are spiritually question. abusive, basically, right? That's good journalism, eh? Here's what Matt Chandler said. Uh, I would hope they would get caught by it. I think there's something about the dynamics of narcissism that makes it hard to catch, so I want to be careful. But we're trying to organize as best we can so we can vet men before they get our sticker on them. Dot, dot, dot. We've done a lot of work around this, and we hate abuse in all its forms. Oh, nobody hates abuse more than he does. <laughs> all abuse matters. All <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But the thing is, like, he didn't, he didn't want to trash the guys before him. He's like, I mean, maybe narcissism is a problem. Buddy, the problem with Driscoll and his, uh, his follower, it wasn't narcissism. This is just I mean, part and parcel of, like, evangelical culture here, where the men in charge feel like they can get away with anything, and they resort to bullying. That ain't narcissism. That's just you're an asshole. I mean, I would push back on the fact that these people aren't narcissists. I think that anybody <laughs> who seeks out this public a forum to tell people how to live their lives is def definitely has some narcissistic traits to say the least. If you hear any of these people apologize and how hard it is for them and how hard it's been on their family and never acknowledging the victim, those people are, exp are expressing narcissistic traits. Yes, these people are narcissists. It's, but there's also no lack, there's no accountability here. There's no indication that if someone, if let's say you didn't catch them. Yeah. Well, what's the system of accountability to make sure guys like that don't run amok yeah. and then like just have all this unlimited power? I mean, that's the problem. There's nothing. There's nothing in place to do that. But that's the problem of when people are trying to do this. Oh, we have a mental illness problem. These people are mar narcissists or whatever. Okay, then what? All right, you, yeah, admit, you, you identified a, prob a problem that these people are narcissists. Narcissists speak and psychopaths as well, people who don't feel empathy. They seek positions of control because they like it and they want to control others. 
And so, yeah, people who are leaders often display the, like a bunch of CEOs are psychopaths. So like <laughs> any, we should be suspicious of anybody. Oh my God. Suspicious so, of myself. So oh no, I'm a narcissist. This means with all these stories in mind, this is what I knew about Chandler up to this point. Yeah. That means multiple times he's had the opportunity to condemn abuse, to take like aggressive action against right. abusers and he's failed at every single turn. He defends the abusers mm-hmm. or doesn't go after them yeah. or shields them from criticism. Um, and now he's the guy for the first time in the spotlight accused of wrongdoing of some kind. We have no idea what he did, which to, in my mind means two things could have happened. It was an innocent line that he crossed, Mm -hmm. in which case they could have handled this privately. And I'm not sure why they didn't just give him a stern talking to, because that's what it sounds like he deserved. Do you think it's one of those things that like he needs to be made an example of? We let these two guys get out of our grasp. Now this one, we're going to pin him to the wall. To say that relatively innocent in my mind dms led to him being made an example of that still strikes me as over the top oh i'm not saying it's not over Um, the top and the other option is that he he definitely crossed a line of some sort in which case the church still isn't telling anyone what he did Mm. or like what exactly what line did he cross that he never should have crossed or how people should look out for it in the future and make sure it doesn't happen to them if you're gonna basically publicly shame this guy you better have a good reason for it and they didn't do any of that mind you we have not heard the other woman on the other side of the DMs. We haven't heard her story. We don't even know who the friend is who allegedly approached him. I wonder about this. if, oh boy, I could just speculate about this for years. Like, what if one of them admitted to same sex attractions <laughs> right. and, like, in a quote unquote safe space and then that got out? Yeah. Like, the, truly, the because fact- their morals are not aligned with ours in really any meaningful way. I think that's why it's so hard for us to, like, Get our arms around stories like this. Things might be like <laughs> giant sins. Exactly. To them. Of like, oh yeah, somebody talked about like, oh, I saw a cute girl, and I was like, oh, I think I have an, a weird attraction to her, and like that's fine. But if right. a church elder finds that out, <laughs> you're fucked. Um, I should say, at some point during his six minute speech that he gave, he also said, you know, he plans on being the lead pastor of this church for the next twenty years as well. Which is like, all right, I'm gonna think, I'm gonna hang on to that because I don't know if that's gonna age well. Do you think we'll he he'll need to like admit what he did, or do you think it's gonna be like, let's forget about it? I We're feel like something. Full steam ahead. I feel like this is one of those things where we haven't heard the last of this story, no. but I don't know how what the next uh, beat's gonna be. I, I'm very curious. I want to predict uh, next time we hear about this, he quietly was like off work for two weeks or whatever, went to some retreat. <laughs> Quietly comes back, regains his status, and yeah. then we hear about it again the next time there's a scandal <laughs> down there. That's we'll my see. that's my prediction. We will see. Okay, I'm gonna jump to a slightly less serious story, but it made me laugh. Um, this is Valley Christian Academy. It's a religious school. I think it's a K-12 school in like Santa Maria, California. And basically for a lot of high schools, including the ones in California, football season is about to start. They know their schedule for the regular season. So here's the deal. They know that at the end of October, they are slated to play against another high school, Coast Union High School, which I think is a public school, which is fine. Like a lot of private Christian schools, they end up competing, um, 
in secular leagues yeah. for the competition and they have a system to make it work and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So they're playing this other school. Well, guess what? Mm. That other school has two girls I on its roster. Gonna, as soon as you said the Christian, I knew this was going to be about girls playing football uh-huh. because they, immediately I thought when, because the last time you've said that Christians have to hang out with secular kids, <laughs> it's when they were wrestling. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Valley Christian Academy basically... What do they play? Are they like kickers or are they like fucking linebackers? You know what? I was looking for that information and I didn't look that hard, but I didn't see it. It wasn't relevant to the story because for all I know, they're on the bench the whole time. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So they're scheduled to play this team. So what did they do today, like this week? Uh They said, "Uh, you know that game we have in two months? We forfeit. Which, Just the idea of possibly yes. encountering girls yep. they're is like, so challenging to them that they're not going to let their kids play the game that the <laughs> kids want to play. Yeah. That's what's happening? Might Did be, I understand that correctly? If you're wearing all the football gear and stuff, I promise you wouldn't even know they were girls. Fucking truly. <laughs> okay, a couple things about this. First of all, credit is due to the coach of the other team who was asked, what do you think about this automatic win you just got in two months? Uh, here's what uh, Bronco, he's the head coach, Andrew Crosby. Here's what he said in an email. Excuse me, you said Bronco, though? That's the team mascot for the other team. Oh, I thought it was yeah. his nickname, no. and I was really excited. No, no, no. So here's what their head coach said. I'm upset with VCA's decision to forfeit the game, especially because the girls, Emily Reed and Andrea Aguilar, are being singled out for their gender. It's not fair, and I hope that because of the support of their families, the team, and the community, that they can have confidence that we support them. He emphasized that the team would not consider either of them sitting out. They are part of our team and will suit up for every game. It's difficult because you want to explain to them that it's not their fault, you know, yada, yada. But basically, he's like, they're playing the game. They're part of our team. We're not going to be like, well, they'll play out. They'll, they'll sit out for this sure. game. Sure. So, so sorry. Didn't yeah. mean to. None of that bullshit. Yes. Good. Which, by the way, now I want to see every other team in the conference. Just if you don't have a girl on the team. Just girl on the team. Girl on the team. Make them pay for it. Yeah. Um, now, here's the interesting thing. The Christian school's decision to forfeit the game, which, by the way, is the right move rather than whining about it, um, that may also be right illegal. Right is a generous. Well, yes. It may be illegal because really? last year, turns out they also refused to play a team that had a girl on it. And so... Um, oh, so this is a pattern. This is a pattern. But here's the thing. The coaches, like, here's what happened. They didn't know the other team had a girl on it. When she takes off her helmet at some point in the game, they realized it. And according to a... Uh, a letter the coaches and administrators on the christian school side they glared at the player while shaking their heads in disbelief oh uh, my god these teeny tiny Uh men the the girl's family last year the girl's family sued the christian school for violating state and federal rights and for infliction of emotional distress specifically the family of the girls said refusing to play a game because there are girls on the other team violates Title IX, yes. the federal law against gender-based discrimination. Yes. And the California-like high school group that oversees football and everything says all member schools have to abide by Title IX. So it's a state issue as well. <laughs> so that's what happened last year. They sued. The lawsuit has not been resolved yet. Like okay. we're still waiting for a ruling on that. 
but it's still moving forward in the courts. They haven't tossed out this case saying oh. like, well, it's a Christian school. They could do with it. They haven't done that because a judge said, well, this Christian school received PPP funding during COVID. Uh-oh. So if Uh-oh. they're taking Uh-oh. government Uh-oh. money, then they have to play by government rules, which means they can't say Title IX does not apply to us. Yeah, but because- doesn't recent precedent kind of fuck that up now? Man, everything fucks everything up. So- right? Like, wouldn't the most recent Supreme Court ruling <laughs> probably let them do whatever the fuck they want because they're Christian? In the lawsuit last year when the school had to file its... Uh, uh, defense in this thing they basically said one of our clearly defined boundaries is there is to be no physical contact between boys and girls at valley christian academy what Uh, the leader said we train our boys to quote rigorously we train our boys to rigorously admire and value women as precious and worthy of respect Football oh, is go a fuck yourself. Football is a violent game, and we understand the value of such in training our young men. Dot dot dot. However, because of the nature of its contact, we will not play a team that has a female as part of its football team. That Golly. was last year. Lee, wait, wait. Okay, physical contact between boys and girls forbidden. is forbidden. 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 How do you even enforce that? A. The cootie rule for Christianity. B. No wonder men hate women. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. God, if they're can you imagine if they're DMing these girls in high school? If they're raised to be treated like little dolls, <laughs> then of course if one of us wants to be president, they're like, what? <laughs> You don't have a brain. You have that wiggly plastic head that you can squish like Barbie. So, like, besides it being condescending that this Christian school is like, well, those those female athletes on the other team. Condescending is such a gentle word for what that was. <laughs> they don't know what they signed up for. It's oh, very violent. They girls don't are so them. stupid. They don't know. There's a, the little pea brain will rattle around <laughs> in their head. Their uterus will float right up out of their body. There was an editorial in the San Luis Obispo Tribune that basically said Valley Christian Academy wants a girl to trade her helmet and pads for a spoon and apron. <laughs> Which, a spoon yeah, and basically apron. Basically, the Christian school wants these girls playing football to become like housewives. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like the go make a sandwich of yeah, it all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. boy. What did he say? Rem- uh, women are something to be admired and. Yeah, we train our boys to admire and value women as precious and worthy of respect. Ooh, precious is such a <laughs> yucky term if you're not talking about like a kitten or a pony. So, I mean, there's a couple options here. You get out of the California like league that mm-hmm. allows you to play secular schools because you don't want to play by their rules. That's one option. It yep. would be bad for your own boys. No, their option is they want everybody to do what they want them to do. Yeah. So Another how come option. we can't do that? How come we can't just do what they want to do? They could just scrimmage all day. Like, sorry, if you don't want to play by the rules everyone else is playing by, you don't get to get the benefit of playing in a league yeah. with these other schools. Too bad for you. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't pretend like you're... They're not martyrs. Let's keep that in mind. I haven't heard anyone say this, but like forfeiting rather than whining about it and demanding the girls not play. They're not doing that. They're saying, fine, we know you're going to play the girls. We're going to not play the game. Mm -hmm. Fine. That's the better of those two options. But also if that's your stance, like then you shouldn't be in this league at all because you're basically saying, "Eh, we don't want to play by the rules. So we're just going to quit. It's unfair to the other team. They're practicing to play this game. And what happens on game day? Oh, no game. Sorry. You just get a W in the column, which is nice, but also they're not learning. They're not 
putting their practice into I'm sorry they're not putting their skills into practice like it's unfair to the boys and girls on that other team I feel the exact same way about rec sports in general whether it's for kids or adults and it for kids it should be like everything we do should be to maximize these kids like playing having fun and being safe those are the things we should maximize winning is great we love to win the strategy of it all the teamwork of it all that's the more important thing which is why we should play and the same way like when i play like slow pitch softball out here some people will just like try to take a walk they'll like try to draw a walk and i'm like it's slow pitch softball like i came out (laughs) here to the damn yeah i came out here to hit some fucking (laughs) mush balls around here why are you drawing a walk (laughs) like those are the sort of things of like i think people lose the point of why we do sports it's because they're really at that level when most of those people I mean, not only are they not going to go pro, most of them are not going to play this in college or get of recruited. Of course not. They're doing this for fun. Let them learn the skills. And this team's like, well, you have girls. So, I mean, mm, it, everyone cannot play it this truly, game. Like when we get down to the, like even that fucking Hamilton debacle, we were all, I think I know I was of the opinion of like, yeah, like fucking let them do that last show. Like I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was mad at the whole thing. I wouldn't have like taken that away from them because they're kids. Let them do their fucking bullshit thing. This is irrelevant to the Hamilton thing, but today, as we're taping this, today they finally uploaded an old sermon back onto their YouTube page. It's the first sign of life on that church's YouTube page. And it was an irrelevant sermon. had nothing to do with anything. It's from a month ago. It's like, okay, I'm watching you. Okay, you're sneaking (laughs) back in. You're you're dipping a toe in that water. Um, Yeah, I just... that's Boy, oh boy. Sports are supposed to be fun, you guys. Remember? Remember? Dad, remember when you made me cry when I (laughs) dropped that fly ball in third base? I remember. Uh, I'm jumping to Wisconsin. Here's a story that I don't think has gotten any coverage, really. Oh, Wisconsin. Um, Here's the story. There's... They have their elections for state assembly, state house. Mm -hmm. And in the Republican primary for one of these seats in the state assembly, a guy named Peter Schmidt was in a six-way Republican primary to be the nominee in a very red district. Whoever wins the Republican nominee, almost certainly going to be the state representative from that district. Did you say where in? Whatever. Okay. So uh, he's running for that election. I don't think anyone really gave him a shot at winning. He ended up winning that six-way race by 63 votes out of thousands cast. So it's like, all right, this guy scraped by. It looks like he's going to be in the Wisconsin legislature very soon. Mm -hmm. But no one, including Republican, like the party, wanted that to happen. Mm -hmm. Why? Because this guy has a record. And part of that is that in 2019, this guy was a county board member at the time. Okay. He was basically accused in a lawsuit, or at least a police incident report, he was accused of strangling a staffer at his family's farm. (laughs) Yeah. According to the incident, like a bunch of employees lived on the family farm. They told an officer, like, I think they have to get up at like three or four o'clock in the morning to do farm stuff. Uh And they said we overslept and he barges in. He's like, I'm giving you 15 minutes to get ready. Well, 15 minutes later, couple of these guys are not ready to go. Okay. And then they said he yelled at us. He grew angrier. And I'm going to read to you from the incident report at this point. Uh, Peter Schmidt then held one of the guys down onto the bed. Sorry, uh, tune this out if this is too much, but I'm going to read this. Peter then held the guy down onto the bed 
pressing downward around the base of his neck, causing him pain without his permission. Jesus. The guy was having difficulty breathing and started losing consciousness and did not fight back because he was afraid of him and that he may do something worse if he fought back. Oh, my God. Another guy recorded this interaction with his phone. The video depicts Peter holding the first guy down by his throat to where the bed sinks. That's from what the police wrote down. Jesus. Um, Peter Schmidt later said, like, yeah, I held his neck in place, but I didn't choke him out as if this was Yeah, makes I was better. gently holding his um, neck. So he was arrested. He was charged with disorderly conduct, which is a misdemeanor, and strangulation and suffocation, which is a felony. He was eventually sentenced to two years of probation, had to take anger management classes, hmm. underwent a psychological assessment, and had to write an apology letter to the victim. Okay, so that happened a couple of years ago. Wow. And now this guy's like, I want to be the Republican running for state house. And the Republicans are like, please don't. Yeah. But he did, and he won the primary. And now something else has come out. Oh, good. Because. Yeah, that's. This, <laughs> I think it's so fucking wild. Why, if you have skeletons in your closet, would you run for public office? Mm -hmm. Why? Here, the, the chair of the local Republican Party urged him to drop out of the race. <laughs> Uh, he ignored them, but a website called basically Wisconsin Politics, Wispolitics, they said the county says it won't support his campaign because, quote, members believe criminals do not reflect the values of the party, which for a Republican oh, to boy. say that. Uh -huh. But here's the question, like, how come you guys didn't go public with like, don't vote for this guy, yeah. Republicans? How come you didn't say that until after he won? According to the GOP chair of that county, uh, Richard Kuchstorf, I think. But mm -hmm. he said, we didn't take action because, to be honest with you, we did not believe he was going to win. Which also explains... Listen, <laughs> I've heard that song before. Yeah. We didn't take him seriously because we didn't think we were going to win. And now I don't have a right to an abortion. So, so here's where it gets weird. Late last week, uh, this website, with Politics, posts an article behind a paywall okay. that virtually no one sees... And then one article comes out, which is based on what they posted behind a paywall. No one is following up on this because no one can read the article that's behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know if I believe this story about Peter Schmidt that's coming out. Right. So I, like, like last week. You I, bought it, didn't you? Not only did I buy that article, like, fine, I'll support your local journalism, <laughs> which is a good thing. But I call up the local sheriff's office. I'm like, I'm going to need everything you have on uh, Peter Schmidt. And the lady there, I got to say, was fantastic. I'm like, listen, I'll, she's like, I need you to send me a formal like public records request. Describe my face right now. It's shocked. So I'm like, oh, and so oh I, happy. Will, I will send you the public records request. So I did. And with it, you, she already had the email ready to go. Sends it back to me in complete depth. So I was able to confirm what was behind a paywall before I could see what was behind the paywall. Turns was, out the paywall article was correct. But he, it turns out that earlier, uh, a month after that alleged incident where, well, not alleged, where he choked out one of his staffers, uh -huh. that was in November of 2019. Staffers. Well, in December of 2019, oh boy. at like New Year's Eve 2019, Peter Schmidt, visited the local sheriff's office to say, I need your help with something. Uh-oh. What happened? Tell he me. He said, someone's trying to blackmail me, basically. They want $50,000 from me. Um, and in exchange, they're saying they're going to send a sex tape of me to my family. 
And the sex tape is apparently him, Peter Schmidt, performing oral sex on another man. Okay. Interesting. Like, so... Again, if you eh? have a sex tape floating around there... Maybe don't run for public office. So this it's is just the, all I'm saying. This is the allegation I saw. I'm like, you're going to need some proof that there is some sex tape of this guy like doing he, this. Or no, I don't need the video, but like, where are you getting this from? And it's all behind know? a paywall. Oh, so gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now I'm seeing the incident report myself. Here's what it says. Peter Schmidt, this is from the incident report filed by the cops. Peter Schmidt stated that this act where he's giving oral to another man, happened while no one else was around. They were alone. This was a free and voluntary sexual act between the two of them. So everything's consensual. It's between him and another staffer who works on his family's farm. Okay. He also, uh, according to the uh, sheriff's report, there had been many sexual encounters between Peter Schmidt and this other guy. Okay. However, there was only one shown in the recording. So apparently the story goes... <sighs> They're getting it on however they want to. Fine, whatever, I don't care. He didn't know he was being recorded, but not only was he being recorded, someone sent that footage to another guy, and now some dude in Mexico with a phone number from Mexico was reaching out to Peter Schmidt on WhatsApp saying, hmm. I have a copy of this tape. Here's a clip so you know I have this tape. And the guy from Mexico says, I'm going to send this full video to your... Uh, father and brother whose phone numbers were included in the message as if to say, I can do this Uh unless you give me $50,000. Apparently, Schmidt negotiated the price down to like Uh $5,000 and then never paid it. Um, And then he, according (laughs) to the incident report... He walked away from the deal. And then he told his family, this is according to the police incident report, he told his family of his lifestyle choice, homosexuality. And then (laughs) days later, because he had come out like... The case was closed. Nothing happened because of it. But this is what came out now, now that he's like a state uh, representative to be. Mm -hmm. And like, here's the thing. His consensual sexual acts, nobody's business. I would not care. Everyone's happy. You do whatever you want. Yep. And it's really despicable for someone to use a private sex tape as a weapon of extortion. Correct. Um, ethically, legally, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I felt bad reading the incident report because I'm like, this is none of my business. Yeah. But I, this is what I wanted to double check on. Like, what type of Republican is this guy? Okay. Um, because the party itself is hell bent on blocking civil rights, especially for LGBTQ people. They openly push policies that make their lives worse. It's not like Ted Haggard hypocrisy, Mm. but it's not that far away. (laughs) Um, But here's the thing. So Wisconsin Politics, that website, Wispolitics, they asked him for comment behind a paywall. And here's his response. I was the victim of a crime, but I've put the matter behind me and I focused on my faith. I'm a strong conservative and Christian, but there was a brief moment I struggled with my sexuality no one should be persecuted or smeared for their personal orientation. Well, well, first of all, brief moment. It happened many times according to what you said. Do you think he meant like a brief moment in his life, like his 20s? <laughs> a brief moment in the span of the universe. <laughs> um, and also no one should be persecuted or smeared for their orientation. I'm with you. Who's doing that? It's Republicans. Right. Um, and then turns out, he filed like a questionnaire for the political arm of a conservative Christian group, Alliance Defending Freedom, where they're like, well, we just want to ask all candidates where mm. they stand on issues that matter. That's fine. That's legal. They can do that. So when they ask, like, do you believe 
Christian bakers should be allowed to say no to gay customers. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, I support the bakers in that one. What about uh, <laughs> free? Like, uh, what about uh, women's sports? Do you think trans people should be kicked out of women's sports? Yeah, I support that. Should parents be allowed to send their kids to counseling if their kid is trans uh-huh. or says they're trans? He's like, yep, I'm for that. Cool. Do you support making LGBTQ rights a protected class for sexual orientation and gender identity in the state's anti-discrimination no, laws? Nope. So what so do we it do? turns out, yeah. just like Caitlyn Jenner can be trans and a monster, you can be bisexual and a monster. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Um like no, one does not invalidate the other. <laughs> that is correct. Um, this is this is such a weird. I'm moving on to a different story, but this is so messed up. I fucking hate Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, <laughs> there's a group called Catholic Charities. It's it's in a lot of places, but this one is in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm. Back in May, a 27 year old guy named John Channels pulled out a handgun oh, and began shooting inside the building. Workers began screaming, they scattered, they ran for their lives, they saw bodies and blood on the ground, they were freaked out, doing anything they can to avoid the shooter. If you haven't heard about that incident, it's because the whole thing was a training session run by Catholic Charities to do an active shooter drill, but they never told any staffers this was gonna happen. Oh my fucking Christ. Right. The gunshots shot blanks. The uh, the gunshot blanks. They heard gunshots in yeah. their place of work. Yep. The bodies on the floor with the blood. The, it was fake no, blood. The bodies no, were actors. No, no, so no, no. Why would everyone, you do this? Why would you do this to somebody? Yeah, yeah. Blood on the ground. Fake blood. That's not an active shooter drill. Yeah, no kidding. That's an episode of Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Literally. It was apparently requested, this active shooter drill, requested by the Catholic group's leaders and designed by this dude. A dude? A single dude? And nobody was like, hey, my dude, maybe don't make people think their lives are... Fire drills are generally like, okay, well, we know it's a fire drill. We're practicing the thing we're going to have to do. And I worked at a school. They tell you about that in advance. Like, hey, we're going to interrupt your class for five, ten minutes on this day, just so you know. Um, but it's going to be fake. It's going to sound real, just so we all know how to do the stuff. That's not what they did here. Now, this, this guy, the dude, is, according to the Omaha World Herald, he's facing five charges of terroristic threats and Good. one charge of weapon use. Good. That's in a, by the way, it turns out this dude who they hired off the streets to do this thing, he has separate charges of sexual assault and production of child sexual abuse material. Okay. So they found so, the best guy they could so to do the worst So these motherfuckers thing. are so worried about, like, the gays getting in on shit because we're worried about the children. And then they're like, hey, dude, do you have a record? I don't care. Here's a mm-hmm. fake gun. Go scare some people. Yeah, according what to... What is the matter with these according people? According to the local county attorney, who's, I think, prosecuting this case... Bad, bad idea. Bad enough what happened. Somebody could have gotten killed. Yes. Just think of the potential things that could have happened Easily with this. Easily could have gotten killed. I mean, he said, thankfully, nobody else no one, nobody else got hurt more serious than the mental damage these individuals suffered. But think about what could have happened here. If someone was packing while they were... Yeah. While this random active shooter's on the they scene... They could have killed him. They could have killed him. And 
again, they would have technically shot an innocent person yeah. and then they got to live with that. That could have happened. You had people, I'm going to read you one story from the Omaha World Herald. This is from a worker. I won't say her name. It's, it doesn't matter. This woman then heard three gunshots behind her. She ran as fast as she could toward a retaining wall with the dumpster several feet below. She tried to jump into the dumpster to hide. She landed outside the dumpster and curled into the fetal position. Fearing she would be found and killed, she then ran about three blocks to a fast food restaurant to hide inside. Someone else. poor woman. Someone else said she ran away from the building harder than she has ever run before because she believed she was about to be shot. That's what they put these people through. These people are going to have PTSD. I'm not exaggerating. Not only what type of trauma do you have. How do you trust your bosses after this? You can't. Who can you trust after this? What if an elderly employee injured themselves or had a heart attack or tried to run away and then couldn't? Do you know how many people... jumped out of a second story building? Do you know how many people got crushed to death in emergency situations? Like... Yeah, like at a Black Friday sale. Black Friday or event or a fucking soccer game. People get crushed to death. Yeah, and that's for a toy, and this is for your life. And by the way, how much did Catholic Charities pay this dude off the street to run this thing? $2,500. Was it him alone? He's the guy who's like, I, I got this covered. No, Just give but, me the cash and I'll bring okay, my team so, in. So he, oh my God, I'm so, has he done this before? <laughs> Maybe, but. But Who after is this person, uh, authorities said this guy asked employees after the training, after the trauma, uh, whether they had guns for protection, as if this is a suggestion that they should have it. And then he shared a business card with them, encouraging them he to pay guns. to pay for his firearms training class. Holy shit. He's in police custody at I'm this point. This is. Yeah, you can bet Catholic Charities is going to get sued like crazy, as they should. Tell me again what business this was. Like, was this their headquarters? Was this... It's the Omaha branch of Catholic Charities, which does good work. Like, So it's all adults, at least. It wasn't it is all children. Adults. Yes. Holy shit, can you fuck it? Golly, I'm doing... We're about to have to do active shooter drills in my barn. I work with special needs kids, and we have to do active shooter drills now. And horses. I guess I can do some, like, old-school cowboy shit and use my horses as shield in case an AR-15 comes by. I can do that thing where they ride on the side Mm -hmm. of the horse. I physically can't do it, but I guess that's what I'm going to have to learn how to do to survive in 2022. Just a wild story. I don't know what happens next, but, man. This is unconscionable. I've never... This is a movie. Yeah. Like I, this feels like a movie. I'm going to, I'm going to jump to something less serious. This is from uh, one of those Christian hate preachers, Joe Jones, a new independent fundamentalist Baptist preacher. Joe I just Jones. Wanna, yeah. I just want to play you a short clip from one of his recent sermons. It's about dogs. Yeah. You'll see. <laughs> beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Why? What does that mean? Because these people are hell-bent on tearing you apart, tearing us apart, mm. destroying the works of God. Who? Okay, that's why. So well, what are evil oh. workers? Evil people. Is that I us? don't know. Uh, Bill Nye the science guy. He's an evil worker. He's sure. the friendly atheist. Um, <laughs> Bill Gates. You know, you know these people. Soros. You know, these guys going around buying up all this land and pushing this vegetarian veganism type diet. Let me run down that list for you as you laugh 
You know what I like about this podcast? You were practically crying in your seat a minute ago. If you need, if you need that list again, the evil people are Bill Nye, Bill Gates, George Soros, oh, George Soros, I and, missed that one, and me. I just heard Bill Nye, you, and then oh boy, oh boy, that's so fucking uh, funny. I cannot re- believe you're as evil as Bill Gates. We're, we're all one in the look same. Look around, look around, how lucky I'd be alive right now. Yeah. So. That was truly the best moment of my entire life, and I just interviewed one of my heroes. <laughs> I I live rent free in these people's heads, I have, which is great because in this economy, I'll take it. I truly have never felt like I got shoved out of my chair <laughs> like that. And also, I want to say that Heaven accidentally started playing that clip earlier and like scrambled deposit, <laughs> and now I understand why he didn't want to ruin this. Can't ruin that surprise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I just need to bask in that for a little while. It's, it's you keep okay. going. I will. I'll keep talking here. Okay, I'm back here. Um, I'm gonna. Here's a serious story that is very interesting to me. The Supreme Court in the last term did so much to ruin church-state separation. Right. They had a bunch of uh, cases that sided with the church side of the church-state separation fold. And one of the biggest cases involved a story we've discussed on this podcast before. It had to do with Christians in Maine, the state of Maine. Basically, the way it works is that, you know, Maine, like every other state, says uh, everyone has a right to free education, free public schooling mm-hmm. through through 12th grade. But in Maine, a lot of kids live in very rural areas. There is no local high school, public high school near them. So in Maine, they say we will give you a voucher to pay for tuition at a private school if you get in, um, right. if that's best for you and you you want that money, we'll give it to you. Um, and by the way, we will even include schools that are run by churches as long as they are secular schools, you know? It's fine. If a Presbyterian a church... Yeah. There, huh. there are religious schools that just happen to be run by a church, but they're not about indoctrination so much. Cool. The question that went to the Supreme Court is, well, what about schools that do want to indoctrinate? What about Christian schools that want to be a part of this program and want the voucher money, the tuition money? Right. But also their main thing is like, we're teaching you that creationism is true. Our goal is to make sure you believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they're pushing religion on these kids and the state of maine said no you're not eligible for the program right church state separation rules apply it's in our state constitution right that's what the supreme court heard and in its ruling uh this past year they said sorry maine you have to give money to the indoctrination schools right because if you give money to anybody you can't say no to these schools on account of religion even Uh, though the constitution would disagree Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of arguments to make against why that's a bad decision. We've discussed them on this show back when the decision was given. Church-state separation groups have pointed it out, too. But the reason I bring this up today is there's been a couple of developments since that decision came down that are really interesting. One is that as soon as this ruling happened, like the next week, turns out lawmakers in Maine were like, we could see what's going to happen here. We know what the Supreme Court's going to do. So they passed a new law. It basically said 
Well, in our state, we don't give taxpayer dollars to any school that discriminates against anybody <gasps> on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Now so we're cooking not, with gas. They're not saying, uh, technically speaking, they expanded their anti-discrimination laws to protect LGBTQ people. But also they did it because of this. But that means they are not saying religious schools are excluded from the program, which is what they did before. But if you're not allowing gay saying, kids in. They're now saying every school just has to abide by our non-discrimination rules in the state. And you don't have to. No, you don't have to. You don't to. have to. You just don't get our money. But you, do yeah, whatever you want. The you money, want you follow have to your do this. heart. So with that move, the question was, well, all those Christian schools that just won this victory in the Supreme Court, what are they going to do? Are they going to take the money? Mm -hmm. Because that's what they were fighting for. Yeah. But now it comes with strings attached because you can't be bigots. What are you going to do? Turns out this week, the answer is they're choosing the bigotry. Oh, good they, for you they guys. They don't want the state money. So... The two oh, so they schools. just ruined separation of church and state for funsies and then ran away. Uh huh. Yeah. Neat. Uh, Temple Neato. Academy, Temple Academy in the city of Waterville, and Bangor Christian Schools in Bangor, Maine. They basically have not opted in to the new voucher system. Um, the Associated Press reported this week that only one Christian school that stood to gain from the Supreme Court's ruling mm -hmm. is opting into the voucher program, and it's not even one of the schools that filed that lawsuit in the first place. Oh, my God. Um, one, of the, one of the dads who filed the lawsuit, like the namesake, the lawsuit was Carson v. Macon. Mm -hmm. um, Carson, David mm -hmm. Carson, the dad, said, their hands are tied. The state said you could take the money, but we'll tie your hands. He's the <laughs> one... He's very upset that the state's making them be not bigots. Well, he also only has one metaphor, and it's <laughs> hands are tied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that one religious school that is signed up to participate is currently going through the review process to make sure they are going to follow the rules, so it hasn't even been approved. Oh, but funny. last year, 29 private schools participated in the tuition reimbursement program, mm. um, and you got about $12,000 per kid Whoa. because of the way the voucher program worked. So far, only one religious school in the mix. Interesting. So I, there is a takeaway here, which is that we know the Supreme Court's going to be bad for a while to come, but in a lot of cases, it's possible for states with sensible lawmakers to work around right. what the Supreme Court does. I mean, we've seen that with the overturning of Roe v. Wade with right. some states, blue states, saying, fine, we're going to protect it in mm -hmm. our state. Um, I mean, that, this isn't the ideal option. No. <laughs> but there is a way around some of what's going on here. So I just wanted to share that here. Interesting. And let me give you uh, one more story that is also someone basically realizing that what they wanted isn't actually good for everyone. Remember, they're in Texas. They have a law in place that says every public school has to put up an In God We Trust poster as long as it's donated. We talked this about it last week. This has been such a fun uh, case to use for people because it sounds so ridiculous on its face. It sounds like something that atheist, like a straw man that atheists made up. But it's truly, from what I understand, the law is if anybody donates an In God We Trust sign to any school, they legally... That follows certain rules about how it's worded and what's on it. They legally have to hang it up. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the 
what happens if there is a raid and the SWAT team comes in and finds a janitor's closet full of unhung signs? I don't know what well, the law dictates. There's then. a couple things that have happened since people started taking this law seriously. And by the way, this law was passed more than a year ago. So how come everyone cared about it now? No one cared about it last year, it seemed. But over the summer, a, cr- a couple of Christian right groups, including Patriot Mobile, which is a cell phone company, they started... I forgot Patriot yeah, Mobile. They started donating in God We Trust posters, and these schools have to now put them up. Got it. And that's why we're talking about this now. But the reaction has been, you have Chaz Stevens, an atheist activist, sending schools the same type of sign, but in Arabic. By the way, he's also made versions of the sign in Hindi. He's also made it in Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Vulcan, Vulcan, that's fun. How about Klingon? Yep. There, it's coming. He's Elvish. putting it in all these different languages because his argument is, well, the law doesn't say it has to be in English. Mm-hmm. You have this week mm-hmm. another parent saying, well, I have this poster with the word God in rainbow stripes. I saw that. There's another group saying, well, we have the whole thing with a rainbow background on it. And? And so what's going on? Well, one school district this week, I believe it's the Carroll Independent School District, said we're not accepting any of the other posters because they said... We already have one. We ha- we have one for all the schools in our district, uh-huh. and nothing in the law forces us to take more. Are you sure? That's what they said. Are you sure, Hemant? Well, here's what happened also. What does the law this say? This week. The, the questions that remain now are, are Texas schools obligated to display all donated posters that meet the requirements? Mm-hmm. And the second question is, if In God We Trust is written in anything that's not English... Does it meet the law's requirements? Because this is what people are now fighting about this thing. Carroll Independent School District's board said, listen, we did our job. We took the In God We Trust posters. The rest of you get the hell away. Mm -hmm. And the activists are basically saying, well, there's nothing that says you are allowed to reject our posters. You got to put this one up or you got to put up the ones we're giving you that are not in English. There's just no clarity on it. So the guy who sponsored this bill is State Senator Brian Hughes with a Y in his name. And Brian Hughes this week sent a letter to the state's commissioner of education basically saying, you guys, here's what I meant. And he said very specifically, the law requires all the posters to say in God we trust in English because that's literally how it's written in the law itself. Did you see the quotation marks? It says in God we trust in English. Therefore, the implication is that non-English is not allowed. Oh, I don't think it said that, though. It didn't say It just has to say in English. Everything has to be in English when it's these laws. Yeah. And he also said the law says schools have to display, quote, a durable poster or framed copy of the In God We Trust poster. But he's like, did you catch that it said a A durable poster singular? So even if multiple posters are donated, schools only have to display one of them. But here's the thing. The Republican Party, conservatives in general, are very much about, listen, this is what the law said. If you want it to change, you should pass a new law. Mm-hmm. We're strict constructionists mm-hmm. here. So you don't get to say, well, this is what I meant. Right. There was a Supreme Court case with the Affordable Care Act that had to do with like a letter yeah. in the wrong place. And that could have destroyed the entire thing. And it's like, if you're going to fight about commas and interpretations of sure. letters to the Supreme Court, 
You don't get to write a letter, state senator, that says, like, well, this is what I meant. Well, you should have passed a law that said this. And also, this just shines a light on the fact that, like, there is no such thing as calling balls and strikes in the Constitution yeah. the way the, the, the Supreme Court pretends they do. There's always room for interpretation. That's why we need a Supreme Court. So this, like, sort of objectivist idea that people have of, like, well, this is defo what they meant. Yeah. Whereas, like... There wasn't even standardized spelling in the <laughs> like in the 18th century. Like, they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. Uh, it turns out Brian Hughes is kind of famous for trying to pass conservative laws and then having to backtrack and say that's not what I meant. So uh, last year he passed a bill requiring teachers to offer multiple perspectives when discussing quote widely debated and currently controversial topics. And it led one administrator who gotten a ton of shit for this to say, we have to present both sides of the Holocaust. <gasps> yeah. I remember this. And so when people approach Maybe Brian Hughes. Maybe the Jews really were the reason that the German economy was down. You have now demonetized this on YouTube. <laughs> oh, um, <shit. laughs> when Brian Hughes was asked about this, he said, that's not what the bill says. I'm glad we can have this discussion to help elucidate what the bill says, because that's not what the bill says, saying, of course, there are not two sides to the Holocaust. But, but there the thing are, is, the if bill, you ask certain people. The bill did not say what a controversial topic is. It's open to interpretation, and that's the problem. Because what about slavery? What about the Civil War? What are yeah. we talking about? He did it on purpose. By the way, he also sponsored a bill once banning the teaching of, quote, critical race theory, which is something no one is teaching. Nope. But specifically, the bill prohibited teachers from discussing, quote, a widely debated and currently controversial issue of public policy or social affairs. And then some teachers were like, so I guess this means we can't or we have to downplay the teaching of slavery and racism. Mm. And what did Brian Hughes say? This bill is not an attempt to sanitize or to teach our history in any other way than the truth. Mm, and it's sure? like, well, we know what you did there. So like over and over, he passes these stupid bills. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, you guys, why are you taking me literally? You can't do that. It's so funny. I feel like everybody I know when they got to like, you know, their early mid twenties was like, wow, so much more shit happened in American history that I never really learned about in high school. And now the high schools are getting dumber. <laughs> I also want to talk about, don't write that timestamp yet, because I have uh -huh. a, little, a little rant to do. Um, so <laughs> I was listening to, and I mentioned on the bonus podcast last week, um, and I meant to mention it on the regular one, there's a podcast called What Roman Mars Can Learn About Con Law. Mm -hmm. The Longest Week is episode 68, their most recent one, and it covers, it's constitutional law, and it covers that whole week of Supreme Court decisions. Um, and so it's Roman Mars, who is the host of 99% Invisible, which rules. And then his neighbor, I think, Professor Elizabeth Joe, J-O-H. Um, and she's a constitutional law professor. And so she just explains to him how things are going. And one thing that she pointed out that I think bears repeating is when these kinds of laws were written, these kinds of really vague bullshit laws, so the one we're just talking about, about you have to sign, you know, hang up, whatever, the anti-abortion shit, none of these laws were written to do anything besides cause controversy, controversy, bring up headlines. All, they, they were not written as laws. They were written as, like, campaign kickoffs. Um... And so when they got their way, which they were all surprised by, now they're faced with trying to interpret these bullshit laws that they wrote 
because they wrote them so vague thinking they would never come into play that now they're going to fight over whether it's a sign or every (laughs) sign or whether it can be this color or that color because like say what you want about the founding fathers they tried to be thorough and we're still trying to work our way through that these guys weren't trying to be thorough they were trying to be vague monsters so they could get their way and now they're gonna have to deal with it and realize that if you write shit that's vague for yourself it's gonna be vague for everybody else and we all get to live here too I mean, a good politician would have thought through the consequences of his bills. They're not good um, politicians. But a good politician good would never have proposed those particular bills in a the first place. A good politician would never be a Republican. <laughs> that too. Um, so the question, I mean, Chess Stevens, who I talked to, he's still raising money to send Arabic language posters. Because right now, it seems like you could still send these Arabic posters across the state to schools that don't have any, mm-hmm. and most of them don't, mm-hmm. and they would still have to put them up because the law does not say it has to be in English. Sure. And a letter to the education guy does not count. Yeah. It's not legally binding. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I want to play you one oh, clip here. One then. last clip here. This is from Michelle Bachman, the former U.S. congressman, uh, congresswoman, uh, from Minnesota and Christian nationalists. This is something she said in a recent talk about the Constitution. So excited. So, yeah. Who is, who's saying this? I was ignoring Michelle you. Bachman. Oh, good. All right. So here's what she says about the foundation of our country. Yeah, you'll see. There is no question. It isn't even, it isn't even debatable. The number one book that was referenced by the founders across the board when they're putting this nation together was the Bible. Huh. A distant second was the great French philosopher Montesquieu, then the English philosopher John Locke, and others. But it was the Bible. What about the Magna Carta? In fact, you can take the Declaration of Independence apart, and you can find scripture for almost every portion. The Constitution, scripture for almost every portion. Where? Because these were some of the most brilliant geniuses ever assembled, and they wanted to get it right. They weren't perfect but they wanted to get it right, and they sought the Lord, and this is the document they came up with. So she's saying the Declaration and the Constitution are entirely based on the Bible, like you can actually find Scripture Did in those documents. Did she go on to give us specific examples? No, of course not, because okay. there are none. Yeah. They did not base the Constitution or Declaration off of what the Bible said. They explicitly rejected it. It's one of those lies that, like, as far as Right Wing Watch could tell, like, sprang up with David Barton, the Christian pseudo-historian. Mm, talked about va- David Barton on my cool interview podcast with filmmaker Mike Flanagan this week. So like, Check it out. It's these lies that get perpetuated and then repeated by right-wing politicians, and there's literally no truth to it, mm. but they just, they don't care. They don't look this stuff up. They just repeat it as if it's true. Like, again, there's nothing in the Bible unless you are claiming that the Bible, like, invented the idea of, like, equality or civil rights or whatever, which it's not in the Constitution to begin with, but, like, what is it that you think the Constitution did? It's not citing the Bible. There's oh no Ten God. Commandments in the Bible. They're not referencing God. God isn't in the Constitution heaven, heaven. other than, like, Year of Our Lord, which, whatever. I like. figured out why Christians are such terrible politicians. Mm. Because they get all of their shit from a book that is so vague and confusing and repetitive and redundant and, and, and unreal 
that they are used to drawing whatever meaning they need in that moment from whatever words are handy for them. That is truly my new theory of if you are raised to interpret text, not read it, consider what it means. If you're raised to just sort of like vibe with texts, you can get any meaning out of anything, I would bet you. They've done it with the Bible. They've found everything that they want the Bible <laughs> to say. Like, there's no way Michelle Bachman has read any of the documents she just mentioned. She doesn't. Or the Bible. <laughs> or the Bible. So It's very boring. Yeah, it, it's just lies being passed as... Uh, Christian nationalism. Oh, we also talked about reading the Bible on my uh, interview with Mike <laughs> Flanagan. He did one of those young atheist things of like, I'm going to prove the Bible is right by reading it. And oh, then got to oh, like yeah, the yeah. second Genesis and was like, hold on. Yeah. Page two. <laughs> wait a minute. He, oh, you guys, I can't wait for you later. to listen to this podcast. It was so good. Uh, I'm going to stop there because. Oh, I'm, are we done? Well, I have more, but I'm done. I'm I, mind We blown. should do morning records more. I'm feeling <laughs> jazzed. I also don't drink coffee anymore, and Hemant, I make Hemant bring me a latte if we're recording before <laughs> noon. <laughs> Where do we find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Jess Bloomke. Um, you can check in with us on Facebook, uh, the Friendly Atheist Podcast. It's become a really lovely little community. Yeah. We. I'm going to be posting um, episode um, posts so everybody can talk about what's going on in this episode there, pictures, funny things. Uh, we also have a Discord that I never go on because I forget it exists <laughs> until this moment every single week when I <laughs> vow to go back on it and then also forget again. Also a nice community. Also, I'm sure, a nice um, community. <laughs> if you want to get access to the bonus episode and the early release of the interview with Mike Flanagan. And the five, video of it. And the video of it. Hey. Uh, $5 to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Hey guys, if you you watch the video you're gonna get to see a certain dope ex that you might remember from movies like dr sleep <laughs> or the shining that certain people carry have you ever seen the shining do you have any idea what i'm talking have you ever seen the shining it's a movie it's a book have you never seen I have it seen it. it's a long time it's really it's good should time. we start off our uh no. make Hemet watch a thing again no. i love doing that though never Ugh. Um, okay, for bonus episodes. Yeah, what are we talking oh, about? Oh, actually, uh, before we go, um, this Friday, if you're in the Chicagoland area and listening to this today or uh, Friday, um, at the Music Box Theater in Lakeview, they are doing a double feature of The Shining and Dr. Sleep that Mikey oh, wow. and I are going to, which I'm very excited to go to. <laughs> if anybody's going to be there, come find me. I'll be the one who looks like me. <laughs> I, I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to wear. Why would I say something like that? Um, okay, so for bonus stuff... Um, Ooh, we didn't talk about how Sarah Palin lost. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about Mikey and I just watched The Staircase, me for the first time, or excuse me, for the like third time, him for the first. Do you know The Staircase? No. One of the most famous documentary series ever. Um, and a video pod... I actually don't have... A, I'm probably just going to talk more about Mike Flanagan, but I also <laughs> want to check in on there's a video podcast called There's Your Problem that I'm really into right now. There's Your Problem? There's Your Problem. It All is right. a... Uh, they do... Um, infrastructure disasters and explain how they came to be. And guess what? It's almost always capitalism. (laughs) It's almost always capitalism. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.